And good morning, church. Good to see you. Good to be with you. Uh, thank Pastor Reggie for asking me to just deliver the word today. We appreciate that. Uh, but I want to share one thing with you before we really start going. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but in Job chapter 38, one of those books that we read all the time, right? In Job chapter 38, there's a wonderful scripture in verse 8 that says this. It says, or who, this is God speaking, or who shuts, or, excuse me, or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band, when I fixed my limit for it and set the bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no further, and here your proud waves must stop. And I love that scripture because we have a God that says sometimes enough is enough. We have a God that says sometimes this far and no more. All right? He sets limits. He sets bounds, praise God. And that's a good thing. Thank God the, the sea's not overrunning the beach and all these other things. And he sets limits, praise God. And I love that about God. He knows how to restrain. He knows how to hold things back. And praise God he does. Praise God he holds a, a lot of things back. But let me, let me ask you a question, personal question. Has God ever stopped you from doing something that you would have absolutely regretted and been in trouble for? As God, can you remember a time where God just kind of put the kibosh on something where you thought you were going to go with it and, and, and God just kind of stopped you somehow, some way, and thank God he did? Anybody ever have those experiences? Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely, all right? But let me ask you another question. Have you ever pushed down his restraining hand and did it anyway? Oh, yeah. We get in trouble sometimes, don't we? And we face crazy and, and hard consequences. But you know what? I remember one time, uh, one lady, it's going back some years, uh, gave me a really hard time in church and just saying terrible, terrible things going back some years. And I was going to really get her back. I was going to just write a letter and just kind of tear her apart. And I remember one night, I'm at my computer. This is when we had the big computer things, you know, the big uh, screen there and the keyboard, and everything was connected, and no wireless, and, and I was sitting on my desk one night, and I was writing this letter, bum, 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 and I was really getting her good. I was using words I didn't even know what they meant, but they sounded good. They sounded, they sounded tough. They sounded good, and, and, I, and I'm on my third page, and I'm just rolling, and I'm starting my fourth page, and you, and all of a sudden, my computer died, and it just died, and I'm going, no! I've been writing this thing for the past four hours. And it was good. I was even scared of what I was writing. And it was good. And I just tried, I just tried to do everything. And, 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 I, and I, I, it died. I lost it. And I couldn't repeat it because, you know, you don't know what you're writing. It's a one-time deal. It was so good. And I was so mad. I said, God, why, why did you do that? Why did you let that happen? God, I'm not a computer wizard. And I don't know how to, you know, try to find it. I said, ah, that's, I was going to give her a piece of my mind, God. I was going to set her straight, Lord God. I was going to fix her. Next morning in church, she comes up to me and says, Pastor Angela, and I'm ready for what? She says, I am so sorry for what I said. Please, please forgive me. Blah. I just smelted like a dog. But I thank God that he restrained me. That was God shutting that computer down. 
I thank God that he stopped me from doing something I would have regretted because God was working on that, that woman's heart all along. See, I'm not, I wasn't going to save or change her. God was going to do it. You know what my role was? Pray and love through. And sometimes we think we could change this and change that, and, and all the while we got to say, God, only you can do that, God. Only you can do that. But I thank God that he's a God who restrains us sometimes. Sometimes there's a God who, who, who just holds us back from doing something stupid or from, or from something that's going to cause great consequence in our life. I thank God that he loves us enough to say no and back off. He loves us enough to, to do something, and we're going to speak about that. He loves us enough to, to do something to hold us back, a God who restrains. Turn in the Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This is one I want to start to speak about today. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. My title is Restrain Me, O Lord. Not with a straitjacket, but with his love and by his word. Restrain me, O Lord. And in 2 Thessalonians, turn there. I want to read something. Chapter 2, verses 1. We're going to read 1 to 7. And as Pastor Reg just started, could we stand for that as we read the, uh, God's word? Let's all stand right now. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. I'll be reading out of the New King James. And the word of God says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God and all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your holy and precious word, Lord God. Father, we ask you now to open up our ears, our hearts, our minds, God, to receive you, to understand your word, Lord God, for you to go deep in our hearts, God. And we ask, God, that by your word and by being here today, God, that you not only would enlighten our mind, God, but change our hearts, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for the amazing beauty of your word, Lord God. And thank you, God, that you are a God who loves us enough to restrain us when we need to be restrained, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So he's talking about here the coming back of Jesus Christ. We know that. And that, that's not my focus right now. We'll talk about that another time. But he talks about the return of Christ. There'll be a falling away. There'll be a deception. The Antichrist will be here. But he says something in verse 6 that's so amazing. In verse 6 he says, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. There's something restraining evil on the earth. There's something restraining things from all going to hell right now. There's something restraining right now. That word restrain means to hold back, to keep the lid on, to keep a short leash, to be restrained. There'll be a time when the, the evil one is exposed and revealed. But he's saying right now there's a restrainer, and all hell is not breaking loose, even though it seems like it. All hell is not breaking loose. Why? Because things are restrained right now. There's a limit. God is allowing a limit to things right now. And verse 7, he speaks about... 
The mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and don't we see that? Don't we see absolute lawlessness in our nation throughout the world? Absolute rejection of law, God's law especially, and absolute lawlessness. The new, uh, the new excuse me, the King James calls it lasciviousness, lawlessness. People doing just what they want to do, twisting God's word, twisting that, twisting that. And the word of God says, only he who now restrains, he's talking about the restraining power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has his hand on things. Even though things seem like they're completely out of control, they're not. God is on the throne, praise God. But he's restraining right now. And what he's doing, I believe, is this. In verse 7, he says, uh, he, will be, he will restrain until he's taken out of the way. There'll be a time when the Holy Spirit is lifted and all hell will break loose on the earth. There'll be no laws, no nothing. There'll be absolute anarchy, absolute terrible things. But right now, he's restraining right now. And I think what, the, what I believe in my heart, what the Lord is doing right now is what we see right now, with all the terrible things going on, I'm just going to mention some of them, with all he sees right now, all we see right now, God is just letting us see, you want to get rid of me? You want to reject Christ? You want to live in a, in a secular world? You want to throw all God's word out? This is what it's going to be like. And he's letting us see a little bit of what it would be like when lawlessness takes over. He's just letting the church, he's letting the world see. He's lifting the restraining hand of the Holy Spirit just enough to let us see what's going on in this world. He's not totally lifting it up yet, but he's just showing us a little bit. As bad as things are, it's still restrained. He'll always be on that throne. The floodgates of evil are not fully open yet because God is restraining. And I believe he's just letting us see a, a picture, a glimpse on how terrible things can really be in a world without Christ, in a world not governed by his word where complete evil and anarchy really, truly reign. We see, a, we see even today a limited Satan who's determined to destroy any influence of Christ in this world. And I believe God is led in to see by what we see. The Word of God says, iniquity abounds. Iniquity is rebellion against God and his word. That's what iniquity is. Iniquity is refusal to acknowledge God in the face of self-assertion. Iniquity means persistent refusal to accept God in his own terms and to define God on man's terms. And we see that in a society. We see that. I'm just going to mention some things. It's almost like the Word of God says in Ezekiel 8:17, uh, to make an insult to God, they would take a branch and hold it up to their nose and hold it up to God, kind of like, the heck with you, God. Like, I don't need you, God. They would, they would, say, they would hold a branch to their nose, and that's in Ezekiel. And kind of like we're doing that in our society now, we're kind of like holding a branch to our nose and saying, God, we don't need you, God. The heck with you, God. We don't need your word. We don't need your moral truth. We don't need that, God. We're going to do our own thing right now. And we see a little bit of that lifting restraint. Look at the, the sexual immorality that we face. My Lord, did we ever think years ago that we'd be facing some things that we'd be facing now related to, to sexual immorality? And it's so accepted and encouraged in every way. Even though, uh, thank God for the decision with Roe v. Wade that's been overturned, we still have a battle with abortion. So over 66% of Americans still favor abortion. Oh, God, we're, we're taking a branch to our nose, God. We're insulting you, Lord God, we do that. There's been over 64 million abortions since 1973. Look at the violence and the shootings, the murders and the crime. Look at how it has so increased over the years. Uh, it, it's absolutely mind-boggling. 
the international crises, wars in uh, Ukraine, Afghan, China, Russia, all the unrest that's going on. What, that, that's God lifting his restraining hand to let in to see a world without Christ, to let in to see a world who, who doesn't go by the morals and values of, of the word of God. Look at the issues when it comes to LGBTQIA+, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, I don't know what that is, asexual, how, how the militant arm of that group has been so taking over. Listen, I'm going to be very clear. We love the people. We love and pray for the people. But sin is sin, whether it's their sin or our sin. Sin is sin. But we pray for the people. What about things we see like the uh, sexual uh, orientation of children from K to 12? Even in preschool right now, they're having curriculums to question their gender identity. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my Lord. How can that possibly be? They're, they're calling Christians extremists. You and I are extremists. And you know what the definition of extremist is? According to uh, the survey that was recently taken, if you preach a religious message in a public square, you're an extremist. If you attempt to convert others, you're an extremist. If you teach children that same sex uh, is wrong, you're an extremist. If you pray in a public square for a stranger, you're an extremist. If you protest government policies, policies that conflict with religious beliefs, you're an extremist. If you go on a missions trip or work in ministry, you're an extremist. If you fast, you're an extremist. If you wait until marriage to have sex, you're an extremist. If you donate to a religious community, you're an extremist. If you abstain from alcohol or tobacco for religious reasons, you're an extremist. If you read the Bible silently in a public place, you're an extremist. And I love this one. If you attend church weekly, you're an extremist. Hello, extremists. Amen. 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 I'll gladly be an extremist any day. And what we see also that which is so amazing that self has replaced the Bible for the definition of moral good. It's no longer the word of God. Remember the word of God, which will be the basis of our society. No longer is it that. Now it's self. Whatever you want it to be, it's self right there. And the problem is this. We face a consequence for this. In Proverbs chapter 1, if you could turn there, we'll have it up on the screen, I think. In Proverbs chapter 1, the Lord so speaks about this so clearly. And we see it evident. In Proverbs chapter 1, right in verse 25, the Lord speaks and he says, because you disdained all my counsel, and I just see him speaking to our nation, because you disdained all my counsel and would have, and would have none of my rebuke, I'll laugh at your calamity, I'll mock when your terror comes. And when your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish comes upon you, then you're going to call upon me. But I'm not going to answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel. They despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they, and this is, this, this is hard. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled, to full, uh, be filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of them, the simple will slay, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. You know, what God is really saying is that you want to go your way. You want me out. You don't want to listen to me when I try to restrain you, when I try to correct you. You don't want anything to do with me. Okay, have your way. Have your way. 
And when all hell breaks loose, you're going to come to me, but I'm not going to listen to you. Why? Because you never wanted me. You hated me. You hated me. You never got my counsel. You never, you never listened to me, society. You never listened to me. And that's a hard word. But God is saying, what will we do when, when God restrains? I believe with all my heart. One of the marks of a believer is how easily God can restrain us. How do we respond when God kind of holds us back from something? See, in our nation, we see that, that slight lifting of the restraining hand of God. We see all this stuff going on. But in our lives, can God restrain you and I? How do we handle that? When we get that check in our heart that we shouldn't do something or, or that we should do something, do we listen to that and kind of trust God that, God, you're leading my life and you're leading me to a good place, God, because you've got a good plan and purpose for me, God. Do I listen to you, God? Do I listen to what you, you put on my heart, Lord God? See, I remember Saul way back in the, in the Old Testament when Samuel told him not to have a sacrifice until Samuel got back. I'm going to paraphrase, but Saul kind of said, I know what God says, but. And sometimes maybe do we do that? Sometimes I know what the Bible says. I know what God says, but. And then we kind of make excuses. We kind of twist God's words sometimes. I, I had a friend one time who came to me, and he had all these scriptures lined up tell me that adultery was okay in the Bible, that we, we can commit adultery. And it had all these scriptures. I said, are you crazy? Are you nuts? I know what God says, but thank God that he's a God that restrains us. Because why? He's bringing us to someplace good. Oh, he wants to bless, and he wants us to be joyful, praise God. He's got great plans for you and I, but he knows what he's doing. We don't. So I've learned a long time ago, God, you've got to lead me, God, because I do a really great job of messing up, God. But I want you to lead me, God. So, God, if I'm going off, restrain me, Lord God. Let me hear that check in my heart. And, and God has restrained throughout this whole word of God. Remember when uh, uh, Noah had the flood and all the rains came down, the word of God said the rains from heaven were restrained. There was a time where God said no more water. That's it. Kind of like my house sometimes when a washing machine overflows. No more water. That's it. No more water. We're done. And God restrained the floods from coming up and taking over everything. In Egypt, God was, excuse me, Egypt was restrained. When, when they were crossing the Red Sea, the, God put that pillar of fire that was before the people. He put it in back of the people. And it was a wall between Egypt and God's people right before they crossed the Red Sea. God restrained Egypt. Thank you, Lord. See, God does stuff like that to protect us. He restrains other things, people, places, and things to keep us safe, praise God. And when they crossed over, well, how else did he restrain? He restrained that water. The water came like two walls, and they just passed through. I could just see God holding back the walls of water. Ima imagine seeing that. Imagine seeing a, a, a Red Sea hundreds of feet deep, and all of a sudden the water is walled up on each side. I could picture him just holding back the walls. Why? So the people he loved can get through. He still does that, my people. See, sometimes we don't see it. But he still holds back walls that want to drown us. He still holds back walls that want to, that want to end for us. And he says, no. I'm going to get them across okay. They're going to be just fine. I remember when Joshua was fighting uh, one of the battles, he prayed to the Lord, Lord, let the moon, let the sun and moon stop. Imagine that prayer. In other words, he's saying, let time stop. 
And he prayed, and the word of God said, the Lord never heeded the word of a man like he did Joshua that day. And he stopped the sun and moon. <laughs> who does that? A God who loves you so much, who wanted to bring the victory to Joshua, and one of the ways to do it was to stop time so Joshua and the army can defeat the enemy. Wow. God. That you would do that for your people, God? That you would restrain God, even the sun and the moon, and you would restrain time so, God, you can bring the victory in my life? Yes. Now, he may, he may not exactly stop the sun and moon exactly today, but he's going to bring the victory in your life if you trust him. And half the things he does, you don't even see. But by faith in a faithful God who loves you, is going to preserve you and keep you, praise God, and complete what he started in you, praise God. Where's our faith? How come we get so shaken? we got to know our God. God, you're for me, God. God, you're for me, God. Even right now in some of our lives, he's holding back walls of water that want to drown you. Even right now, he's, he's stopping time in some way to deliver you. Isaiah said, when you pass through these, these rivers, they won't overflow you. He held back the rivers. When you, when, you, when you go past a fire, it won't burn you. When you go past the flames, it won't scorch you. Why? Because he holds that stuff back. He says, I know you're, you're facing a hard time, but it's not going to overwhelm you. I know the river you're in feels like you're going to drown. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. But you're not going to drown. Why? I won't let it. I restrain it. I know you're in a fire situation right now. I know it's hot. I know it's difficult, but it's not going to burn you. Why? I'm holding it back. Why? I love you, and I'm going to get you through. Just trust me. Just trust me. Stay in my word. Stay in my presence. Stay in prayer. Trust me. No matter how the devil lies, he said you're going to get burned, you're going to drown. Don't believe those lies. Not when you've got a God who restrains. Not when you've got who, who stopped the sun, the moon, and stars to bring a victory, praise God. You think he loves you any less than Joshua? Oh, absolutely not. When Job was tested by the devil, the Lord said to, to the devil, don't lay a hand on this person, spare his life. In other words, he kept the devil on a short leash. You can do, you can do these things, but you can't do this. But you can't do this. See, the devil's got to submit to, to, to God. The devil doesn't have power except what is on that short leash. And that's amazing. I love that. What about, what about us? What about, what about me and you? How does God restrain us? Because of his great love. And thank God he loves us so much. Isn't it amazing? Did you ever say no to your children, anybody? Did you ever say no? Anybody not ever say no to your children? Dave, quiet. <laughs> yeah, we say no sometimes, right? Why? Because you can't give them everything and some things aren't good for them, right? But we love them, right? And sometimes people think, well, if I, if I love them so much, I can't say no. Yeah, no is a, is a complete sentence. No is, no is real. You said no a lot of times. Why? Because I love you. Because I love you. Dad, can I do it? No. Why? Because I love you. And sometimes that doesn't suffice, but that's what you're going to get. Because I love you. Parents, as a side note, as a side note, you don't always have to explain yourself to your children. Okay, we'll go on from there. But you don't always have to explain yourself to your children. It's good to set the parameters and be friends. But sometimes, no. Why? 
That's it. But anyway, let's get back to what we're talking about. How does God restrain you and I? What does he do in our life to keep us on the right track, to get us where he wants us to be? And believe me, listen, he has great and wonderful plans for us. He really does. He loves us. Oh, he loves us. And sometimes the road may be a little bit difficult, but he loves us. And so if we follow him, we'll go to where he wants us to be. We'll stay on that narrow road. We won't get caught on the broad way that leads to destruction. We'll stay on that narrow road that leads to good things. God loves you and wants to delight you. And I believe he wants to have joy in your heart. Okay, God, so follow him through. Even though sometimes it doesn't make sense. That's what obedience is all about. Even though sometimes you don't understand what he's doing, obey him because he knows what he's doing. And I think one of the first things he does in our life is how he restrains us and keeps us on the right track. He makes us aware of his presence. He makes us aware of his presence. Now, when I was a kid, when I was with my father and mother, I was an angel. <laughs> you laughing at me. So were you. What are you talking about? But when I got with my friends, oh, hell broke loose. When you're aware of God's presence, how can you possibly do something that would offend him? See, the thing is, we're not aware of his presence all the time. We think sometimes God is way up there, and he only sees certain things. No. If you're a believing Christian, he's with you. So wherever you go, whatever you do, who you're hanging out with, he's with you. And now about you. When I have such an awareness of his presence, Lord, I can't do that, Lord. Why? You're here. You're here, which is, which is amazing. See, when you know his presence, he'll restrain you from sin. When you really know who he is, when you really live in his presence, you'll avoid those things that want to take you down. When you're not aware of his presence, when you think you're alone, when you think God doesn't see, when you think God is up there, that's when all hell breaks loose. But when you're aware of his presence... That's why we say all the time, and I know Pastor Reggie says in his pulpit all the time, just stay in that word. Stay in prayer. He's with you. Change how you think. Change how you see God. He's not just way over there. He's here for the born-again believer. He's, he's here. You take him wherever you go. Whatever you, whatever you say, he, he hears. And whether it's people or, or places or things, he keeps us right on track by what? Lord, you're here with me, Lord God. And let one of our prayers be, God, don't let me think your way up there, Lord God. Father, help me to, to live in your presence, God, to know that you are with me, that you will never forsake me, God, that you'll be with me always, Lord God. And give me the strength, God, to do right because of your presence, God. See, when you think the, the, the authority is gone, that's when we get in trouble. But I think when you realize his presence it keeps us on, on the right track. Psalm 139 and verse 7, which is a great psalm. Psalm 139, verse 7. The Word of God says, let me get there. I'm sorry, Psalm. I'm going to Proverbs. Psalm 139, verse 7. I love this. It says, where can I go from your spirit, Lord? Where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there... Your hand shall lead me, and at your right hand shall hold me. We're going to go out of his presence. Stop kidding yourself. Stop thinking he's far away. He's right there with you. And let's act accordingly. 
let's act in the righteousness of knowing that the presence of God is with us, praise God, amen? And he's with us to help us and, and to love us and be there for us, praise God, amen? Psalm 140, 13 says, the upright shall dwell in your presence. Are you upright? Let's get a little more response. Are you with the upright? Yeah, we are. Okay? So let's dwell in his presence. Amen? Could you give the Lord a thank offering and just say thank you right now, Jesus, to do that? All right? You know how God works? You know how God restrains us too? He works in the situations in our life. He works in the circumstances in our life. By his divine providence, he intervenes. He's active. There's no coincidences in the kingdom. I used to say it all the time, but I was wrong. So God arranges some things, maybe to have you stay at that light two seconds longer before you go because that truck didn't stop at the red light and you're cursing out the guy in front of you all the time was God saying, back off, I'm going to save you, you know? And God works in specific things, maybe sometimes why you're late for something, why you're early for something, or situations he's working out with other people, praise God. Sometimes he blocks things from happening. He, <clears throat> he hinders things. Sometimes he uses delays and, and changes and, and jobs. I remember one time I, uh, before I became a pastor, I wanted this counseling job at this hospital. We lived in New Jersey. And I would pray and pray and pray for that job. And I put the phone on the Bible. And when the guy calls me, the Bible will be underneath the phone and it'll be okay. And, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. The guy called. I got the Bible open, the phone, and I didn't get the job. And I was just so, ah, you know, one of those things, come on, Lord, you know, we got no money. <laughs> I need a job, blah, 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 blah. And, and about two weeks later, <coughs> about two weeks later, that whole hospital closed down, and someone else called me for a much better and greater job with twice the salary, praise God. So even in those situations, trust the God who loves you. He's a restraining God. He knows how to hold back certain things and he'll use circumstances and situations to be able to do that. It's not a coincidence. Sometimes God, sometimes God even works in traffic. I'm having a hard time with that one, I'll tell you that. It took me a while to get the bazooka off my front car and just so he wouldn't shoot me. No, but God even does things like that in situations. And you're getting mad, you get upset. And I know some things we do get upset, absolutely. But you got to trust God that sometimes he'll use situations to restrain you from doing something that you shouldn't be doing, from, from, from definitely not, not doing that. I remember one time again uh, in college when I went to school in Boston, <coughs> the fraternity that I, uh, that I went to, uh, they had this big May in May, this big uh, uh, spring fling where the whole fraternity would rent out this whole motel and just debauchery and have a party. And I was all set to go for that. I joined the fraternity. And, and something happened about a week before that had to take me home for that. There was a sickness in my family. And all hell broke loose. The police came at that party. It was terrible. I believe God just protected me from that even when I was lost, even when I didn't know him. Even when you were lost, even when you didn't know him, he was doing things to get you to the point of salvation. He protected you. So when things happen, don't be so quick to blame the person in front of you or that slow cashier or whatever it may be. God, you're in charge of my life, God. First, give me patience. And God, let me see you in this, God. Because I know that my life is in your hands, Lord God. I know that my life is in your hands, and you are a restraining God. And Father, thank you, God. Restrain me. How does God restrain us? By his word. Wow. Obey the word. And let's go to the next point. 
Obey the word of God. It's a no-brainer. God knows what he's doing. He sees the end of a thing from the beginning, okay? He knows that if you go past his restraining arm and disobey his word, he knows the hell that you're going to suffer on the other end of it. So he tells you, obey my word. Why? Because it's not going to work out good for you through disobedience. And God will give his word, that, 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 that divine word, that guardrail where he leads us and keeps us on that narrow path. He's leading you through obedience. When you obey him in one thing, he leads you to the next thing. When you obey him in that, he leads you to the next thing, all the way to the blessing God has for you. He'll bless you through obedience. He'll take care of you as you obey him. Yeah, but I don't know what God's doing. You don't have to know what God is doing. I'm going to obey. That's what faith is all about. I don't have to have all my ducks in a row, God. I don't have to see the end from the beginning. Why? I trust you. You're my God. You're my Father. And you love me. And I'm going to trust that as I obey you, Lord God, and I may not understand it, I may not accept it, but as I obey you, God, I thank you for leading my life right to where you want me to be, God. You know, when he says things like, don't be unequally yoked, don't be unequally yoked. Why? There's a price to pay. When he says things like, be separate from the world, be separate from the world, because they're going to take you over. Oh, it, it, it never fails. Do what he tells you to do. I think Mary's word at the wedding of Cana when they ran out of wine, when they came to Mary, she couldn't have spoke greater words. Whatever he says to do, speaking of Jesus, whatever he says to do, do it. My people, whatever he says to do, do it. He'll give you the strength. He'll give you the power. He's with you. Trust him. He may not reveal everything to you. Oh, I love what he said when he was washing the apostles' feet at the Last Supper. And, and Peter came and said, Lord, what, what are you doing, Lord? You're not going to wash my feet. And I love the words that Jesus says, Peter, you don't, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will later on. And a lot of things that are going on in our life, we're not going to understand right now. But we will later on as we obey him, as we get close to him. You may not understand what's happening right now in your life. He may not be revealing everything to you. But as you obey him, the light will start to go on. As you obey him, step by step, he'll reveal the plan to you. Obey him. Trust him that he'll lead you through obedience. Why? He loves you. He loves you. Just two more. How does God restrain us? He gives us a godly conscience. Let your conscience be your guide. Remember that song? A godly conscience. Not man's conscience. Because man's conscience could be thwarted by how we, how we grow up, how we're programmed. Some people think murder is okay. Some people think all oh, this garbage is okay. It's not. Why? They have a, 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 a defiled conscience. But when you have a godly conscience, in other words, when the Holy Spirit fills you, and your mind is Christ and your heart is Christ, there's a godly conscience that leads you. Ever get that, that check in your heart that you know that that's trouble, but you can't explain it? You know that kind of like get this check that, ah, that's, there's trouble there. Or God may give you discernment about a person, something to say, yeah, that sounds nice, but 
There's a godly conscience that leads us in the path of righteousness. There's a godly conscience that comes from the indwelling spirit, staying in the word, having that relationship with Christ. There's a godly conscience that keeps us on that right track. Where we get that check in our heart. I used to tell people all the time, and Pastor Reggie spoke about it a few weeks ago. You know, be careful who you listen to with other pastors and preachers and stuff like that. They may have a good line, and they may sound good, but let that godly conscience speak to you. There's something not right about that guy. <clears throat> There's something not right about, about this. And let that conscience lead you either to turn it off or whatever God would ask you to do. But God leads us by that godly conscience that shows us right from wrong. Not man's. Not our own, but God. That check in our heart that says, that's not the way to go. That check in our heart that says, that's not the right person for me. That check in our heart says, I can't listen to that anymore. That, that check in our heart that shows us our motivation. That shows us our motivation. The Bible says consciences can be weak, good, defiled, or pure. And some consciences, the Word of God says in Timothy, are seared with a hard iron. In other words, some consciences are so calloused. You know, when you share, when you share flesh, you close up a wound, it, can, it becomes so calloused. There's a lot of Christian consciences that are so calloused. That's why some Christians, in the name of Christianity, do some terrible things. Why? Their conscience has been seared with a hard iron. They're so calloused that they don't see anymore. Pray, God, you give me my conscience, Lord God. God, let my, my godly conscience through your Holy Spirit lead me, Lord God. And he'll lead you into right and good things. Amen? Let's get a better amen. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. And lastly, how does God, you're going to love this one, how does God restrain us sometimes and keep us on the right track and stop us from kind of going off track? How does he restrain us? People. God uses people in our life. He may send somebody in your life that you may like or not like. He may send somebody in your life to kind of maybe confront you sometimes and, and deal with some things that you may not like. But if that person is speaking God and speaking the right things, you, you, you better listen and, and stop killing the messenger and really listen to the message. I, can't, I remember so many times in my office uh, when I was a, the senior pastor counseling somebody, you know, and it was the word of God. It was so obvious, the word of God, that they would say things like, well, pastor, you're, you're, you're the one who's wrong. You're the one who, who doesn't know the word of God. You're this. And wait a minute, this is it's obvious right here. No, no, no. And they did not listen to who God sent to change. Who do you listen to? Who do you, who do you allow to speak into your life? See, it better be someone who loves you who's going to speak truth to you. I remember a story, and I'll just going to share it briefly. We don't have time. Uh, one time David, uh, King David, uh, he was running from Saul, and he was hiding in hills, and he needed some food, some sheep and stuff like that. And he went to one of the, 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 the herdsmen there, a guy named Nabal, who had a lot of sheep. And many of you know the story. He had a lot of sheep. And he sent his men to go to Nabal and said, listen, we've been protecting you from Saul's army. Could you give us a couple of sheep? Could you feed us? And Nabal, bad guy, said, in essence, he said, no, get out of here. Cursed to David and his men, shaved their head, get out of here. And the men came back and said, Nabal wouldn't give us anything. So David got so mad. He got so mad, he got a couple hundred guys together. We're going to go kill Nabal. I'm going to go wipe him out, his whole farm, the whole We're going to kill him. But Nabal had a godly wife named Abigail. And Abigail knew who Nabal was. He was a jerk, and she knew that. 
That's a scriptural jerk is in there somewhere. If you read between the lines. So what does she do? She said, no, this, David is serious. So she got a couple of men. She got a lot of food, and she ran to David. <clears throat> she ran to David, and she found him on a path as he was going to kill Nabal. And she ran to David, and she said, and again, I'm paraphrasing the story. <clears throat> David, stop. Don't do this. You're acting out of anger and frustration, and you're going to regret it. You're a man of God. God has a plan for you. God has great things. Don't stoop down to his level and come down to him and kill him. Don't do it, David. And David was so convicted by, by what she said. He says, woman, I, I, I thank you for, for saying that. You convicted my heart, and I'm not going to do that. You prevented me from doing something that would be terrible. Wow. See, sometimes God's going to send somebody to say, cut it out. Sometimes God's going to send somebody to say, you're off track here. Sometimes God's going to say, you're not doing what you should be doing over here. And sometimes you need to listen and let those words of truth penetrate that callous heart sometimes. Because sometimes we're so used to going our own way. We're so used to kind of doing our own thing. And we don't listen. And we don't listen. Oh, Lord. Help us to listen to those you send to keep us on the right track, God. Help us to listen to those you send to, to keep us restrained, Lord God, and in the right way, Lord God. In the right way, God. And lastly, when we have the fear of the Lord, he'll, be, he'll restrain us. When we have the fear of God, when we know that God means what he says, we'll keep on that right track. When we know that our life is in his hands, we'll keep on that right track. Heather, you can come up, please. The word of God says, a wise man fears and departs from evil. Psalm 55 says, they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. God wants to change you. The word of God said, the fear of God is the fountain of life. The fear of God will prolong your days. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. He will bless thee. The angels encamp those who fear him. And I love this. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him, and he will also hear their cry and save them. Oh, Lord God, give us that fear of God to know that God is serious. And God loves us, but he's a God of justice as well. And he'll be there for us, praise God. So let me ask as we close today, are you being restrained? Who is God using to help restrain you, to maybe speak truth to you, to maybe speak situations into your life. Is God trying to change some of these circumstances in your life to get you on the right track? How many, time, what, how many times has God got to do something to get your attention for you to, to turn around and really, truly come to him? How many times does God have to speak his word to you that will finally listen, praise God? God loves you so much. He loves you so, so much. And I believe with all my heart, it just grieves him when we, when we don't listen, when we do our own thing. My prayer for my life is, God, restrain me, God. Because we go off sometimes, we all do. Our heart is for God, but God, restrain me, Lord God. Just keep me on that right track, God. Bring me where do you want me to be, God. Don't let it be about what I think, God. Let me follow you. Let me surrender. Let me submit to you, Lord God. Let every life decision I have, God, be submitted to you. And maybe for those here today, maybe like me, you, you've blown it. Maybe sometimes you push, back, you push past those restraining arms of God. Or maybe you ignored his restraining voice. 
And maybe you did something, followed through with that, man, we, we have the consequences and regret it ever since. God's not mad at you. He's with you still. His grace, his mercy covers you. Submit every consequence to him in his arms. Surrender every consequence of all of our mistakes, bad decisions, pushing down his restraining hand. Submit all that to him and give it to him and let him work that out. I don't know what he's going to do, but he loves you. And you know God can restore and turn around anything. I know that. Just submit every failure, every mistake to him. And trust him. God, I, I submit it to you, Lord God. And let's go before him today and say, Lord God, be the restrainer of my life, Lord God. I want to submit to you today that every decision I make, God, from this point on, God, that, God, I will follow you with, Lord God. That's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about what I It's about what you want, your will, your ways, Lord God. So, Father, Holy Spirit, help me to do that. Help me, God, to... To clean up, God, all the mistakes I've made, God, I, I submit them. I put them under the blood of Jesus. I put them under the blood of Jesus. Have your way with the consequences, Lord God. Restore, renew, whatever you've got to do, Lord God. Give me your grace to go through whatever I've got to go through, Lord God. You're with me, Lord Jesus. But also, Father, from this day forward, Lord God, be my restrainer, Lord God. Show me your way, God. Let every life decision, Lord God, Every life decision that I make, whether it concerns me, family, friends, whatever it may be, God, let it be submitted to your will and your way, God. Destroy my pride, God. Get my pride out of the way, Lord God. And lead me, Lord God. It's never too late to begin again. It's never too late to begin again. And I want to pray for you right now. This is what I want to do. I'm going to open up these altars right now for the time we have remaining. And I want to pray for you. But when we have an altar call, it's just a first step of God touching your heart. It continues when you go home. It continues in prayer. It continues when you read the Word of God. It continues. But let's have that touch point that says today, this is when it starts. And I want to pray for you for these two things. Lord, I submit every mistake to you. God, I put every mistake and failure. Every time I push down your restraining arms, God, I, I submit it to the blood of Jesus Christ. God, you have your way with that. And I know, God, by your grace and mercy, you'll deal with truly with me on those things, God. And some of you are still carrying that weight. You're still so hard on yourself. You need to release that to the Lord. Give that thing to him. Let, let him do what he's going to do with that, okay? He'll be your strength, no matter what the consequences may be. He'll be your strength. He'll be your grace, and he'll take you through. Trust him with that. It's going to be okay. And also, Lord God, I surrender to you right now. Every life decision I make, Lord God, let me see your restraining hand in my life, Lord Jesus. Guide me. Lead me, Lord God. Don't let me go off on the Broadway, God. Keep me on the narrow way, God. But God, be my restrainer in Jesus' name. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you, God. Father, thank you that you are a God who restrains, Lord God. Father, God, we, we, we got here alive, God, because you restrained so many things in our life, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for being our restrainer, God. Thank you for, for taking care of us. And God, I pray for those, God, and almost all of us, God, who've made those mistakes, who pushed back your restraining hand, Lord God, who maybe didn't listen, Lord God, who, who didn't heed your restraining voice, Lord God, and we pushed through with our own way, our own ideas, God, and, and we have faced horrendous things, Lord God. Father, I thank you that we submit all that, God, under the blood of Jesus Christ, Lord God. Father, we can't go back and repeat things. We know that, God, but we can submit it to you, God. And Father, we say, have your way in those consequences, Lord God. We trust your grace, your mercy, Lord God, Father. We trust that, God, you're not done with us, Lord God. 
We trust in a miracle-working God who can turn anything around, Lord God, no matter how hard the consequences may be, Lord God. Father, in your presence is our strength, Lord God. In your word is our wisdom, Lord God. In your hand is our heart, Lord God. So, Father, thank you, God, for not, not walking away, God, not abandoning us, but you are still here with us, Lord God, willing and working in our lives, Lord God. And through your grace, God, that you give us, God, is truly sufficient for us, Lord God. It's not over yet, God. Oh, God, our failure doesn't define us, God. You do, Lord Jesus. And, Father, thank you for your word of hope and strength today, Lord God, that you can turn anything around, Lord God. Father, thank you for a new beginning today, God, a new beginning, Lord God. And, Father, I pray for those who have come up, God, that we did make a decision today, God, to submit and surrender every life decision to you, God. We don't want to go on our own, Lord God. And Father, I thank you, God, that by your restraining hand, God, you keep us on that right track, Lord God. Father, every decision we make for family, for friends, ourselves, our walk, our, whatever it may be, Lord God, we want your will, your desires, God. We submit and surrender to you, God. Every decision, God, according to your will, your desires and your plans for us, Lord God. Holy Spirit, show us that, God. Give us the strength and grace, God, to be able, God, to, to hear your voice and to do it, Lord God. And not to have everything figured out, God, but to simply trust you, Lord God. To trust you with every decision, God, knowing that by your restraining hand, you're leading us, Lord God. To that perfect place that you want us to be in, Lord God. We will not fear anymore, Lord God. We will not worry. We're not going to go on ahead of you by ourselves anymore, Lord God. We're just going to follow you through. So, Lord, speak to us, God. Show us your will. Show us your plans. Show us your ways. Show us your desire. Holy, Holy Spirit, be that restrainer in our life, Lord God. If we go off, get us back on track, Lord God. But we surrender and submit every life decision to you, God. And Father, as we do that, God, I thank you for the beauty that will produce, God. I thank you for the joy that will produce, God. I thank you for the good things that will produce, God, because you will do simply delight in us, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you today, God, for being our restrainer, God. And thank you for loving us so much, God, to make all things new right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And all who agree with that prayer said, amen and amen. Give him praise right now. Amen.